And uh, we're going to be looking just a few verses here. And I want to talk to you this evening on the subject of a contrast of importance. A contrast of importance. And uh, today's been a good day, good opportunity for preparing to preach this message. One is a fact of uh, perspective, I guess is the word I want. Really, if you want to know what the message is about tonight, it's about getting God's perspective on some things. Um, somebody said uh, sometime they were talking about saying, you know, I want to see what God's opinion is on someone. God doesn't have opinions. You and I have opinions. God doesn't have opinions. Um, but God's perspective, seeing things from, from God's vantage point as He allows us to be revealed to us. Um, Today, just uh, before, before 11 o'clock today, I had a couple of different situations, nothing major, probably something, if you'd been there, you wouldn't have noticed or anything like that. I had a couple of different situations that gave me a, uh, there was an opportunity there for it to be kind of discouraging. It really was. It uh, was kind of thing a little discouraging to me. And uh, uh, I won't go into in detail why, but just a couple of things. And yet, then, as I thought more on them, I got a little different perspective on it. And I thought, well, now that's not such a, such a thing that I thought it was. Maybe instead of a discouragement, that's really not really a discouragement. Then, I was driving through town, and uh, I saw something in the side of this. Um, I found, it, I found it to discourage me again. There was something I saw, and it was, just, it was one of those things where it just like, you saw it and it kind of deflates you just a little. And then I got to think about that too. And I thought, well, that's interesting. There's been two or three things already. And then uh, we had a leadership meeting today and I met with Brother Tim, Brother Carpenter. That's always a highlight to me. I enjoy that. I enjoy meeting with men who love the people of God and love the work of God. Very, very interested. I wish, uh, I wish you knew that... Uh, how much some people, not just them, but I wish you knew how much they do, have you in their heart for good. You're precious to them, as you are to me. And uh, that encouraged. You see what I'm saying? And then other things were busy. And throughout the day, you'll get that in a day. You'll have this happen, and you'll have that happen. And you look at it, and sometimes you look at something, and you say, well, it's according to the perspective where I'm looking at it. And uh, I want to show you something about this thing of a contrast here. And it'll give you the perspective that God wants us to have on something very important in our life. And namely, you ready for this? It's the fact that our life is a very temporary, therefore a very valuable thing. It's important what you do with your life. It's important how you invest your life. Um, I wish I could convey to each of you the importance that you don't ever let somebody rob you of part of your life. And that you don't allow someone to uh, make you think that part of your life isn't important. Let your life be important to you. I've seen in situations in life where sometimes people have other people than themselves that are far more concerned with how what's affecting them than what they are. That's out of balance. I'm not, I'm not advocating us being self-centered. There's enough of that in the world. It's taught on every corner. 
what I am advocating is us saying, my Creator made me in His image. He gave me a life. He gave me today. I ought to use it. I'll do something with it. It's a gift. I'm treated as such. And uh, I, I want to I help you get a perspective the Lord has from His Word tonight with it. First Peter chapter 2. And let's look down here in uh, verse 22. Now, I've said that incorrectly. I'm sorry. It should be Second Peter. What did I do? Where am I? Don't laugh, teachers. There we go. I was right first time. First Peter chapter 1. That's what I messed up on. Verse 22. Maybe the things affected me more today than I thought. 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 22. Seeing ye have purified your souls in obeying the truth through the Spirit unto unfeigned love of the brethren. If you're not familiar with that word unfeigned, that means it's not faked, it's not put on. See that you love one another with a pure heart fervently. It's very active. Being born again, not of corruptible seed, but of incorruptible by the Word of God, which liveth and abideth forever. Then verse 24. For all flesh is as grass. Now you see that term, is as. It's, that's a comparison. The Bible often, often uses a simile. It's saying, I'm, the Lord saying, I'm showing you something you're familiar with to teach you about something, something in the spiritual realm. For all flesh is as grass. And all the glory of man as the flower of grass. The grass withereth, and the flower thereof falleth away. But the word of the Lord endureth forever, and this is the word which by the gospel is preached unto you. I think you would readily see where the, uh, where the contrast is, wouldn't you? The flesh and what it is, then the word of the Lord and what it is with that. Um, let me give you just some thoughts on this. First of all, let me, let me draw attention to what it talks about there in verse 24. It says, for all flesh is as grass. That's all of us. Every one of us. The oldest person, as uh, is the case with some of you in here also, the oldest person I had a, lot, had a lot of contact with and knew well was Mrs. Ganon, who was 104 years old when she passed away. And uh, just a couple days before that was cooking breakfast for her family and taking care of her household and everything else was very sharp, very sharp, right up to the day she passed. Very sharp mentally and uh, just, just quick. And uh, man, if you didn't believe that, you missed a step and you're talking to her. And you find out right now, trust me. And uh, she wasn't mean, but she didn't miss much and wasn't afraid to let you know. I mean, you're 104 years old. Why keep your opinion in at that point, amen? Uh, ain't nobody you're going to meet has more experience than you do. So just <laughs> go with that. I told you before, and I won't go into detail, the oldest person I ever met that I ever had a conversation with in person, didn't know them well, just met them the one time, was a lady in Chicago that was 106 years old. I was able to confirm that with other people around her. You know, it was like some people you meet, they think they're Napoleon or something like that. I mean, she, she was, and she was sharp. My goodness, she was, she was quick, uh, quick-minded too, quick-witted. And, uh, and yet 104 years. And that's, you know, that, that's quick. And uh, so this thing of the flesh, here's some thoughts about it. First of all, I want you to look at what it says there. 
It says, for all flesh is as grass and all the glory of man is the flower of grass. Now, I understand the context and what's being taught and I'm not going to in any way uh, misuse that. But let me say to you, it, it has a duly appointed time of glory. The Bible says that the glory of young men is their strength and the beauty of old men is the gray head. I've went from being glorious to beautiful. <laughs> and so this... Uh, um, it says that there's a time for these seasons. Now, this was important to me when I read this. I got thinking about that. Even as fragile as our life is and how quick, relatively speaking, it goes, there's still a glory God allows in that. Not that we are to be exalted in it, but God puts His glory even in that, in the time that you have, in the, uh, in, in the, in the life that He allows you to live. It's a pretty exciting thing. Um, he, he allows that in there and there's a season for it. And nothing wrong with it at all. You ought to enjoy it. Sometimes I'll have a young person will come to me and ask me a question, you know. Especially I've had, uh, I've had young people say, I, I don't know, I think the Lord may want to do something with my life. And they've even said to me at different times, I, I think the Lord may want me to serve Him full time at some point. And uh, they said, what should I do? And I'll take whatever age they are. i say it's a 10-year-old. I'll say, what you should do is learn how to... How to be the best uh, Christian living and uh, useful ten year old you can be. Uh, learn how to learn how to learn, enjoy being ten. Amen. No mortgage payments to make. Nothing like you just enjoy it. Isn't that right? But uh, learn to be respectful. Uh, learn to enjoy the things around you. Learn to love the Lord. Learn to talk to Him. You know, David learned how to sing to the Lord when he was real young. I carried him all the way through life. You know, I really believe when David later on, when he had such a serious situation, went on in Ziklag, and I'll not expand the thing, but the, the, the men who had been following him turned on him and were going to kill him. And they were a rough group. And they said, we're going to kill you. They meant it. And uh, he was in that situation, you know, very, very tough situation. And it says he encouraged himself in the Lord. He didn't just get up that morning and start learning how to do that. I believe that started when he was a youngster out there singing to the Lord and learning how to do things and, and that. And so start learning now. But enjoy it. You know? Uh, enjoy where you are. Enjoy, enjoy that part of life. And, and I looked at that, and I know maybe it's a different thing than you would get out of it sometimes, but it says the glory of man is the flower of the grass. And I know it's going to point to the fact that that withers, and I know that happens, but it did have its seasons of glory. It did have the time to enjoy. Um, and, and relish that. Enjoy it. You've got today from the Lord. Use today. This is the day that the Lord hath made. I will rejoice and be glad in it. It's so funny how my mind thought of that verse for so many years, up until just over a year ago. I thought of it always as a good day it was describing. What I would call a good day, a happy day, everything feels good and that sort of thing. This is the day that the Lord hath made. I will rejoice and be glad in it. And you got that song goes with that. And I thought, in my mind, it's not something I sit down and thought through, which is probably where the problem came in. But I, I, in my mind, I always envision that day that that's talking about being the day where you'd feel like singing that song. And it actually came to me on a day where I was brokenhearted that day that this is the day that the Lord hath made. I will rejoice and be glad in it. doesn't mean I have to kick up my heels and say yay and be happy. But it means this is a day that the Lord hath made. And if I can feel sorrow, thank God I can feel something. 
And if I can know adversity, thank God He's counted me worthy. He's counted me worthy that I can be put to the test. Who does a coach put in? And you know they need that last two, two points right at the last moment. They don't reach for the scrub player. Kind of player they call it. It's a clutch player, right? To bring them in. Well, they do if they need someone to lead them back down the field and they only have a few seconds to do it. They bring that one in that can handle pressure, the one they have some confidence in, don't they? That's what they do. But you know what? Whenever adversity comes in life, sometimes we don't think about it this way, but sometimes what God allows to come in our life, He's put us in in that clutch play. And, he's put us in, and He said, look, I'm giving you an opportunity to show how, who I am during these times. Now, right in the middle of it, it's hard to see it that way sometimes, isn't it? But that's God's perspective. That's why he does it. And he wants to make something out of you. He wants to do something with you. And so, even though it is for a short time, there is a glory there. And I like that when I saw. Then let's look at it and see the context of it. Verse 24, All flesh is as grass, and all the glory of man is the flower of grass. Now here's the truth of what happens eventually with it. The grass withereth, and the flower thereof falleth away. And I put this down. It's described here as it withered and it falleth away. And it goes there with that. And it may not come to an abrupt end. But it may lose its glory as it goes. And that can be the way. Um, Not just all at once, but just gradually as we go out of this life. And and, and that can be the way of it. And uh, more than one person dealt with that. and, And I've seen that. Then, I put this down with that. Here's another thought, scriptural thought with that. Flesh being limited is not a sorrowful thing. You say, why is that, preacher? Well, it can fulfill its purpose during its season, which is what I've said to you already. Then, remember, I'm talking to you about perspective tonight. Flesh is a temporary vessel fitted for a transient world. This world's not a permanent thing. You mentioned something today, Brother Carpenter, about uh, some of the changes I've seen. And you're 40, how old? 43, all right. And and so um, you talk about some things, and and you said it kind of happened around us. It it really did. There's a a transition in in some of our ages, and uh, uh, just just things change quickly. I mean, some very basic things change. And... uh, we were talking about some of these things today. Well, well, listen to the statement I'm going to give to you. We're made this vessel as a temporary vessel because this is a transient world. See, when sin was allowed dominion in this world, now think through this. God made man in His own image. God placed man in the Garden of Eden which He had planted Himself. God's expressed purpose for mankind was that we would have dominion, which is not subjugating something, it's operating something. He gave us a stewardship over the rest of His creation. That's why we're not like the rest of creation. We did not come from some other species uh, or some other genus. And uh, you have some evolution within species, you don't have genus jumps in your evolution. And so what happens... With this, with this thing going on, God said, I'm making, this is not another animal. Man is not part of the animal kingdom. Some of you have been taught that he is. And the people who taught you that were wrong. 
He's not part of the animal kingdom. He is a different creation. It doesn't matter that the DNA shows some of the same uh, some of the same characteristics, and the chemical structure shows some of the same characteristics. That only stands to reason because the Creator used the same basic materials to build the whole thing. Of course, there's that, but that's not what distinguishes us. All right. Hey, you get a shark; it'll eat you as fast as you eat it. So in that sense, you know, you can be part of the food chain. I prefer to be the top link. That's why I stay where they're small animals. <laughs> um, but here's the point. That's not what separates mankind. It's not the things of which the flesh is made. It's the fact that God breathed into his nostrils and man became a living soul. And the purpose of mankind was to have dominion over all of the rest of creation to govern this world in the way in which God would govern it. When man sinned against his creator, he opened the door and let sin into the whole creation. So everything is tainted with it. And what happens, that's gotten worse. That's why the farther we are from the creation, the more decadent things have become. I know the technology's done this. <laughs> you get the right type of a solar flare, your technology's gone. And we'd, we'd lose a huge percentage of our population in the United States within two weeks if that happened. We would. They couldn't survive. You'd find them stacked nine deep at the doors of Walmart trying to get in. They had no idea. If it's not on the shelf and the electric can opener doesn't work, they're done. <laughs> Telling you the truth. Um, but what happened was because of sin coming in this world now is temporary one day the elements themselves shall melt with a fervent heat you can read about it in the book of Peter and this will be destroyed there will be a new heaven and a new earth listen to this God gave us and we have a temporary body for a temporary world so it's not it's not sorrowful in that sense that it is temporary because it's not fit for eternity. It can't go in. Um, <laughs> when, when, when John the Baptist said at the height of his brilliance and his, and his uh, brightness as a light for Christ, he made this statement. He said, I must decrease. I made mention of that on Sunday. He said, I must decrease. Listen to the statement. It was not merely an observation. It was his heart's desire. When he said regarding Jesus, he must increase. And when he said regarding himself, he, didn't, he said, I must decrease. He wasn't just observing and saying, okay, this is the way it has to be. That was the desire of his heart. Because John knew he was temporary. In fact... When Jesus described John, He said He was a burning and a shining light and you were willing, listen to the phrase, for a season to rejoice in His light. He was temporary. Thank God though He was there temporarily. Can you imagine having gotten to be John and do what He did to announce the Messiah after 400 silent years where no prophecies were given? What an incredible privilege and responsibility He had. But it was for a season. That's okay. Because this vessel we're in for a season. <laughs> the Bible says, 
Flesh and blood cannot inherit the kingdom of God. It says this mortal must put on immortality. And this corruptible must put on incorruption. And then it says, so when death is swallowed up in, and the word is victory. What is it? Victory over this. We sing about victory in Jesus. What kind of victory is that? That's a victory over everything. It's a victory over sin. It's a victory over decay. It's a victory over corruption. And what is this? This is what God has for us. God's given this to us. One day we will be changed and then we'll be properly fitted for eternity. <laughs> we have a new body. It has new properties to it. We don't even understand all of that. Even what's revealed, we don't understand all of it. Now what about the contrast? That's our flesh. And the Bible says that the flesh is as grass. Look in Isaiah 40. And don't lose your place in Peter, but look in Isaiah chapter 40. If you turn back here. Be in the habit of bringing your Bible with you to church. Be in the habit of looking at it. Don't ever lose a relationship with the book called the Bible. Isaiah chapter 40. Then look in verse 6. Now may I remind you that Isaiah in Isaiah chapter 6 volunteered to go as a spokesman for the Lord. It's that great passage that starts out in the year the King Uzziah died, I saw also the Lord high and lifted up. And His train filled the temple. And then it talks about the seraphims around the throne crying, holy, holy, holy. It talks about seeing all that was going on in the throne of God. And God said, who shall we send and who will go for us? And you remember Isaiah said, here am I, Lord, send me. And he's sending. Well, he's referring back to that here. Now, let's see what he's doing as he's gone and now he's preaching. And he's a prophet sent of the Lord. Verse 6, the voice said, cry. And he said, what shall I cry? All flesh is grass. And all the goodliness thereof is as the flower of the field. The grass withereth, the flower fadeth, because the Spirit of the Lord bloweth upon it. Surely the people is grass. The grass withereth, the flower fadeth, but the word of our God shall stand forever. And those words written over 750 years before the words that we read about in Peter, over seven and a half centuries, almost eight centuries by the time Peter was penned. Those words were the exact words that describe the great contrast with our flesh and the one who dwells in us in Christ. And that's a great passage back there with it. By the way, look in verse 1 of chapter 40. You know there are 39 books in the Old Testament, right? You know the last word in the Old Testament is the word curse. Lest I come and smite the earth with a curse. You know that. So the 40th book in your Bible is the book of Matthew. Your New Testament starts in verse 40. The first person that shows up in detail in the New Testament is John the Baptist. We're familiar with that, right? So verse 39, you start talking about, you have uh, chapter 39, you have judgments going to be coming and it's pronounced that one generation from that point, judgment's going to come. Then, look in chapter 40. By the way, there are 66 Chapters in Isaiah, 66 books in your Bible. 
Look in chapter 40 and verse 1, which would correspond with Matthew. Comfort ye, comfort ye my people, saith your God. Speak ye comfortably to Jerusalem and cry unto her that her warfare is accomplished and that her iniquity is pardoned. Sounds like somebody came along to take care of it, didn't it? For she hath received of the Lord's hand double for all her sins. Look in verse 3. The voice of him that crieth in the wilderness. Prepare ye the way of the Lord. Make straight in the desert a highway for our God. Every valley shall be exalted. Every mountain and hill shall be made low. And the crooked shall be made straight and the rough places plain. And the glory of the Lord shall be revealed and all flesh shall see it together. For the mouth of the Lord has spoken it. And John comes along described as the voice of one crying in the wilderness. And the Pharisees are sent out to ask him, Who are you? What say to thyself? And he said, Who are you? We need to give answer. And he said, I am the voice. I am the voice of one crying in the wilderness. Pretty amazing. That Bible you have is not like any other book you ever run into. And so we have seen the importance of the glory that we can have even in a temporary vessel because of the goodness of God. We see that our vessel is temporary with it. And then I want to give you the contrast. Look back there. I hope you haven't lost your place in First Peter. Look back there in First Peter and uh, verse 24 again. For all flesh is as grass. We read that. And the glory of man is the flower of grass. The grass withereth, and the flower thereof falleth away. Look in verse 25. But the word of the Lord endureth how long, church? Forever. And this is the word which by the gospel is preached unto you. I'm going to show you why the word gospel is put in there in just a second with this. But look at the contrast. The word of the Lord endures forever. Now, the nature of that enduring is found in verse 23. Look back in verse 23. And here's, here's the gospel being preached to you. Being born again. That's the term Jesus first used. You must be born again. That which is born of the flesh is what? Flesh. And that which is born of the Spirit is what? Let's see if we pick up two births here. Being born again. Not of corruptible seed. Would that be flesh or would that be spirit? That would be flesh. That would be the fact that you're born dying. You have, uh, you have that within you. But of incorruptible. So as to explain what that is, it tells you. By the Word of God. Now look at the nature of this endurance. Which liveth and abideth forever. What well, does it mean that the Word of the Lord endures forever? Does that mean that there will always be a copy of the Bible somewhere to be found? I believe that's accurate. But I believe it's far more than that. It liveth and it endureth forever. What is the nature of this? It abides. Now, look what it says there. It, it, it liveth and abideth forever. And, and what does it do? The abiding means it does not leave. There's been a lot of very pointed pressure put on trying to get rid of the Word of God over many centuries. But it's still here. It means it won't leave. What does it mean that it abides? It means it does not change. Thank God we have the Word of God. And we have the truth of God through the Word of God. Then, it does not disappear. It, it doesn't ever go into irrelevance. I remember when I first started hearing, the, this will date me for some of you all there, I started hearing the first, they started talking about postmodernism. Now I'm old enough to remember pre-modernism, so it's postmodernism. 
sociological phraseology coming along, indicating a shift they'd seen in society and all that stuff. Then the post-Christian world. I've heard that kind of talk. Now, a lot of what was identified as Christian when it was so-called Christian isn't actually biblically Christian. Because you have a cross and you can say you're Christian doesn't make you Christian. And, uh, and so, been a lot of changes. But here's the thing about it. It doesn't go away. It doesn't disappear. There's always a remnant. There's always... What's a remnant? It's a, it's a group that's left. It's part of something that's left. Who believe on the Lord. They don't get the airtime other people do sometimes. And there's, they're not highlighted. But they're there. People who believe the Bible is the Word of God. People who believe that Jesus Christ is the Savior. People who will not, will not go back on what they believe. They're not belligerent people. They're not people looking to hurt other people. They're people who stand on what they believe, who will willingly and actively and purposely tell other people how good Christ is. And they're willing to give up anything besides what their core beliefs are. And they're there. They're God's people. They're scattered throughout nations and ethnicities and languages. God's got His people. And He knows them. He knows who they are. And they know Him. He's a shepherd. He's a good shepherd. He's known of his sheep, and he knows his sheep. And uh, and so all that goes on. It's uh, uh, what is it? It's uh, it, it doesn't disappear. But also look at it. Look at verse twenty three. Look what the word of God does. It not only abideth forever, but what else does it do? It liveth. Okay. It liveth and abideth forever. I put this down. It, it has no less power at the end than at the beginning. No less power at the end than at the beginning. God's Word is, still has saving power on this day, February 9th of 2022. It has no less saving power than it had when it was first preached. Um, God, the power, it's still the power of God unto salvation to everyone that believe it, to the Jew first and also to the Greek. That's why believers have always not been ashamed of the Gospel of Christ. Why should you be ashamed of something that pure and that powerful? I love that word, the power of God unto salvation. You'll figure the word out. The root word of that is dunamos. You figure out a word that we got from it that they used when they were figuring out something? Dynamite, man. It's dynamite. It'll do it. It'll get the job done. It lives. It's a living Word. It's a living Word today. It lives. It will live in you. It can change you. I watch people respond to the Word of God. Watch it change people. We saw that this last week, didn't we? We were privileged to it. We see, we see it working in people's lives. Um, it lives. It has no less power. It doesn't diminish. Look at the contrast. Okay? Look at the contrast in verse 24. Here's the flesh that says grass. It has its moments of glory. It has its season. But it's for a season, then it fades away. It can't sustain at this optimal level forever. It doesn't. It's, it can't do it. But in contrast, the Word of God is forever. Now, here's the beautiful thing about it. The darling part of the whole thing is you go back and look back in verse 23. We were being born again, not of corruptible seed. That's where the flesh came from. That's the part of me that was born on September 14th of 1964 in Miami Valley Hospital in Dayton, Ohio. 
That part of me is now 57 years old and it has a time limit to it. But on July 26th of 1980, in Lower Side Chapel First Church of God in Camden, Ohio, when I received Christ as my Savior, something else was born. Not born of corruptible seed, but born of incorruptible by the Word of God. And that day when I got saved, something was born there that will outstrip and go beyond what this flesh can do. And one day you'll put this body in the grave, but they can't put my spirit in the grave because that's not corruptible. It's part of me that's alive forever. And it's the part that was born of God through His Word. It's a part of you that's born of God through His Word if you're indeed saved. And uh, that's, that's, that's a wonderful thing. Look at the contrast. The grass withered, the flower thereof falleth away, but the Word of the Lord endureth forever. God's not sitting there comparing us with the Word of God saying, ah, you're deficient. You only have a little while. My Word lasts forever. It's kind of how people put this together sometimes. And that's just a very bad and unscriptural view of God. No, He's pointing out to us that we get a season of glory. We get a season uh, to rejoice in how He's made us. But it only lasts for a while. But He's telling you tonight, you put your faith in the right place and you take courage in this, that His Word never gives up. And so when you start seeing what's around you go down, when you start realizing there's not maybe as much strength as there used to be, you need to know that the God and the God whose word He gave to you, that word is still as strong as it's ever been. And even if I should feel a frailty within my faith, the one to whom my faith is directed does not become frail. He can't deny himself. I'm kept by the power of an endless life. I love that passage, Caleb. We are kept by the power of an endless life. You say, what's that mean, preacher? Here's what it means. You ready for this? As long as Jesus is living, I'm safe. I like that. I've worried sometimes and people meant it well. They said it to me as a pastor. I've had family members say a similar statement and, and they mean it well. I understand the love that's behind it. And, and, I, and I don't think it was inappropriate. They're coming. They found you. Um, but I, I don't think it's inappropriate. And I certainly don't think someone's entering into idolatry towards me. If you're worshiping me, your sights are so low it just hurts. You could do better. Um, but I've had people say, don't know what we'd do without you. I had somebody say to me once, you're, you're my rock. No, I'm not now. You need to get off that stuff. I'm not. You have one rock. That's Christ. You know, um, you, you better get that settled. You better get that down inside of you. You're living for Christ. My voice was silent. If I wasn't in front of you, if I wasn't here to, to encourage you, Christ is worth your life and living for. You follow Him. Thank God for people who help us. I've had some dear precious people help me. Can I tell you, Brother Hill was a blessing to me. Can I tell you, he was irreplaceable as far as in, in human friends. I miss him. 
I tell you, he had a, he had a unique place. I've, I ha I've had some good friends and I have some good friends. Got a text from Brother Terrell today about John and just keeping up with things. He's a good friend. Got some. But nobody could ever take the place of Brother Fred Hill. My wife and I met him when we were teenagers. And he'd been apart ever since we were teenagers. And the funny thing about Brother Hill, he never changed. I don't know if he was old at a young age or never got old. But he preached here, taught my class. We combined the classes in there. And he got up and taught that class. I remember how powerful that class was. I have it on recording. And he made the statement as he started to teach. He said, the end comes for all God's people. There'll come a day for each of us and it'll be the end. That was the last time he ever came here to speak. It was in his 90s. To listen now. Jesus didn't change. And the day we attended Brother Hill's funeral, he served in two, two different branches of the military. And they laid him in the ground with honors outside of Eaton, Ohio, in the, in the uh, graveyard there. And I sat in the funeral, listened to Brother Spears preach excellent biblical message there at the, at the uh, funeral. I tell you something. You listen well. This is a man I looked up to since I was a teenager who I never saw vary in his personal actions. And I saw him in strengths and weaknesses. I lived long enough that our relationship took on a couple of different characteristics. And I never saw him vary. But the day they put him in the grave, there wasn't anything about Serving God that was less important than it had been the day before. And just living for God. If I couldn't speak tomorrow, if it was me instead of my brother losing the voice box, it'd be just as important that I love Jesus as it is now. I hope if I've ever faced with such an extremity that I'd have sense enough to know it. I'm not going to tell you what I will or won't do. i just tell you what I'd like to do. I'd really like my life to count for the Lord all the way through. So when some of you real young ones in here are old enough I can make fun of your gray hair that I'll still be serving him. Amen? I can't wait to see you with gray hair, Caden. <laughs> I agree, buddy. <laughs> Let me finish out. <clears throat> We have two births, one that's corruptible, has a glory, but it fades, that's the flesh. Thank God that's not forever, nor could it be. And then we have the incorruptible, it lives and abides forever. As one fades, the other one is supposed to begin to shine more brightly. Because we have this treasure in earthen vessels until one day we are no longer encumbered by this clay. And uh, I believe that's what was meant when Paul came down towards the end of his life and knew that his race was almost run, and he said, for me to live is Christ. I believe he lived each day fully. For me to live is Christ. God's given me life and breath today. Good deal. That's good. Thank God for it. But to die is gain. You just can't lose when you have the Lord. For me to live is Christ. To die is gain. Because dying, I don't die. 
I just, this switch encumbers me, guys. And uh, I can't really fathom it now because I'm so much here in this. I have moments where I see things better um, and, and in a more eternal perspective. But I think so much like the earthen creature I am. But even in that, I can recognize the fact that God who loves me so much in all my imperfection, all my weakness for Him, God who loves me like that, imagine when He takes me out of all that and I just get to be with Him without thinking anything between us. Be amazing. You know, your dad had a lot of frustration there at the end. Brother Brian, I, I hope I'm not being too familiar. He always loved precision stuff. That What he did, working machinist and dealing with the microns all that. We couldn't even give out the right measurements. Of course, the only thing that really made him feel better, better was Brother Larry picking on him because of it. <laughs> Which he did mercilessly. It was the only human that could get away with it too. Uh, but... You know, it was frustrating to him to not be able to communicate. I remember when he couldn't drive the bus anymore. I remember when he had to give him mowing the yard because he started having trouble with that. He, he kept doing as much as he could all the way through that. And, and, and you think about that, that being gone, just seeing the Lord. Man, I'm telling you. I'm just telling you, as God's people, we're blessed people. We really are. We start looking at things from God's perspective, we'll look at things a lot more clearly. Let me pray with you tonight, all right? Father, thank you for your people. Thank you for allowing us to be your people. Thank you for loving us that way. May we be loving towards you. May we not hold back from you anything. But I still think about what Jim said when he prayed down here Sunday. He just said he wanted you to have all of him. Now there's a good thing. Lord, may you have all of us. Pray you bless your people tonight. If some need to talk with you a while, pray they will. Lord, maybe they would just make a decision to use each day you give them like it ought to be used, not throw it away. And Lord, may they keep their eye on you, please. Amen. Stand together, please. Have a song of invitation, something you want to bring before the Lord. Now would be a good time to just say, hey, this is a day that the Lord hath made. And it's a happy day, that's wonderful. It's a sad day, then it's comforting to have Him. But this is a day that the Lord hath made. Do you belong to Him? You ought to give yourself freely to the Lord. Why don't you come while we have, we have song invitation?